Welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. What you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we explored the many ways we can safely boost our immunity while in the midst of an ongoing global pandemic and as we fall into cold and flu season. Today, we have Dr. Susan Peyrovi, integrative medicine extraordinaire, joining us to talk about reliable health products for MS health. If you're like me, I find myself inundated with ads about MS on social media, regardless of how I set my advertisement filters. Most of these products are great at grabbing our attention and making us feel like we need them if we want to get well. Many sound too good to be true, and the truth is that many of them simply don't create the change that we're looking for, and they're often quite expensive endeavors. So, how do we know what's really going to help us? In just a few moments, you'll be able to listen in on our conversation about the products that have helped us the most. My gratitude today is for the two interventions I was testing for arm pain from COVID-19 vaccination and for a handful of folks I know who have likewise tested it out for us. If you want a detailed overview of the specific arm exercises, they are explained in episode 40, so I won't go into them here, and a video of those exercises is posted on our Patreon page for your convenience. But I do want to share my results here as promised. I did the suggested deltoid exercises every hour or so on day one and two, and a few times on day three. I used my TENS unit on my deltoid muscle for about 30 minutes the first two nights. I meant to use it the third night, but totally forgot, because newsflash, I had pretty much already forgotten about my vaccination, since all the pain was gone. This was a very different experience than the first two vaccinations that left me quite sore for four or five days and unable to use my arm much. For this third vaccination, the first night, I could only start my TENS unit at level four, when it's usually comfortable at level 12. I started low and slow and gradually worked my way up to a 10. My arm felt significantly better after that one treatment. The second night, I was able to start a little higher and work my way up to 12. By moving my arms regularly in these five specific ways and using my TENS unit the first two nights, by day three, like I mentioned, I had pretty much forgotten about the vaccination, which was significantly different from the previous two experiences. And when I say I was feeling no pain, 
I could actually smack myself in the arm and not feel any sign of pain. I also experienced no swelling this time, no heat, no redness. Dispersing the vaccination in this specific way made the entire process much more pleasant, and I will definitely do this in the future for any and all shots I need in the deltoid muscle. Now, if you don't have a TENS unit, I want to add a shout out here to fellow flock member James and loyal listeners Janie and Larry, who tested the arm exercises for us without using a TENS unit. James reported that the arm exercises left him with little arm pain, and two days later, he felt 100%. Janie did the exercises faithfully on the first day, but didn't do them as much on day two. She felt a little bit of soreness from the exercises in both arms, but shared that the soreness was right where the shot was, so she felt the exercises did a good job of targeting the right spot. She added a tip that she always gets her shots in her dominant arm, since that really helps her, since that's the arm she uses for most tasks. Larry had a more difficult time assessing the exercise's effectiveness, since he integrated the exercises into his daily workout routine. But both Larry and Janie reported feeling really good at the two-day mark. So, when it's time for you to get any shot in the deltoid, Consider these two tools you now have in your toolbox. And thank you, James, Janie, and Larry, for helping us out by sharing your experiences. Without further ado, let's take a listen to my conversation with Dr. Susan about our favorite products that have had the biggest impact on our MS health over time. Be thinking about which ones might help you on your quest to living well with MS. All right. So Susan, it's so great to see you again. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me back. It's always fun to come and talk to you. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought today that we would just have a casual conversation about how to really take care of ourselves. And, you know, in a capitalistic society, I feel like I'm bombarded constantly by the next best thing for MS. And I found it's just really hard to know what we really need and what really works. You know, what is best bang for your buck, especially since so many of us live on restrictive incomes. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and your perspective. Absolutely. This is something that's on my mind every day, not just with uh, products for MS, but just in general, we are advertised to all day long, um, whether it's through different media that we consume, whether it's driving down the highway and looking at billboards, it's everywhere. And this is something that I talk a lot about with my kids. And we use that as an opportunity to think about how marketing tries to change our behavior and how we need to be better prepared as consumers to make better decisions, right? So first of all, how do you unpack marketing that is directed at you? And then how do you figure out if what they're telling you is, is reliable or not? And one thing I always think about is with marketing, they tell you a lot of things, but it's also important to think about what they're not telling you. Right. So we all have to be very critical when we're looking at a product in front of us to figure out, well, first of all, do we need it? Does it serve our need? And is it something that belongs in our homes? 
And one of the things you and I have talked about is moving towards just a simpler way of living and using less stuff uh, and being really careful and mindful about what we surround ourselves with. So when we moved a couple of years ago, it was the perfect opportunity to do things a different way. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about some of the major changes you made when you went through that move. Sure. We were in a four bedroom, 2,600 square foot house. And it's interesting that we only lived in like a third of the house. (laughs) You know, it's just that it goes to show that architecture matters. And if things aren't built right, you're not going to use it the way that the architect intended. So we kind of crammed into one certain area of the house, but we did fill up the entire house with stuff and our garage never saw cars. We went to a friend's house and they had cars parked in their garage. And my son comes to me and says, mommy, there's two cars in their garage. And I was like, oh, right. That's what garages are for. It's actually not for storage of a ton of stuff. So um, when we were going to move into a very small house that actually is not fit for a family of five, but it was actually an intentional decision to try this for a few years where we can figure out how to do with less stuff. And part of this had to do with when we would travel for three or two weeks at a time in our trailer, where we could just bring in the bare necessities with us. And learning to live that way with three little boys in a small space for weeks at a time prepared us for living in a home that's you know, tiny. And um, we had to be very intentional about what we brought with us. So we did a big purge before we loaded up the moving truck. Then we unloaded, did another big purge as we, you know, went through the second round of getting rid of stuff. And we're still purging. It's just amazing how much stuff you can let go of and you won't even miss this stuff. And I will add, as someone that does a monthly clear every February, um, that, gosh, you know, when you let go of that stuff, you just have this feeling of serenity and the space. And it, it does more, having less in your physical space is really calming. It is. Uh, That process of letting go is not easy. I tend to be a very nostalgic person. It's like, oh, I wore that to my high school prom. I'm going to keep it forever. Like there's no need for that, right? Take a picture and then give it to somebody else who will use it and give it new life. So when I started thinking about it in that way, it was easy to let stuff go. And once I got started, the, the biggest hump was getting over that activation energy of, okay, I'm going to do this and let stuff go. Once I kind of got into it, it was like, well, I just want to make my mountain of stuff to give away giants. So it was not hard at that point. Now, one of the other aspects you shared with me was um, how big of an impact it's had on your family to just have less decisions to make. Can you speak to that for a moment? Yes. Yes. So with three boys, three little boys at the time, we got clothes, hand-me-downs from all the neighbors and friends and, uh, and they were all good stuff. So we took them, right. Cause I didn't, I, I felt like I was uh, doing something good, taking on this stuff. Right. And, you know, no child needs 30 pairs of underwear, 
25 shirts, you know, 30 pairs of socks. It was massive amounts of clothes. And what I decided I would do, and I got this idea from a podcast. It was like a minimalist mom podcast. I couldn't even tell you the name of it at this point, but I went down to seven short sleeve shirts, seven long sleeve shirts, seven pairs of underwear. So seven of everything. And what's nice about that is that you'll actually go through your entire drawer um, in a week so that you actually use everything versus just using the top layer of stuff that you keep washing and wearing and washing and wearing. So it just was, it felt good to go through the entire pile of clothes and then um, just keep the best stuff. Like choose your favorite shirts for your clothes, for your kids or for yourself and just use those things. Because if you think about what's in your closet, you probably wear 10 to 20% of what's in there. And I learned this because um, about 10 years back, my high school friends and I decided we would have one year of not buying any personal items. And I just realized that I go to the same section in my closet all the time. It was like 10% of what I owned was what I actually used. So you don't need all that extra stuff. Give it to somebody else who will use it and appreciate it. Wow. I have a lot of learning and action in that area still, but that's very inspiring. Thank you. Uh, To your point about making less decisions, I think the more we have simplified our life, the less time it takes to get ready in the morning, the less items we have to keep track of in the house. When we cleared out the bookshelf of all the little trinkets, it was less things collecting dust. It's visually less things to look at. And to your point, it has a really calming nerve uh, effect on your nervous system. That is beautiful. And has it helped your, your kids in any way become more independent in getting dressed as well? They um, have to pick their own clothes, but when they don't have a mountain of things to sift through, yes, it's a lot easier. And even a six-year-old can put together an outfit. I'm not going to say it always matches, but that's okay. You don't need to match. You just need to be empowered to dress yourself. Great. And one thing we wanted to talk about today too is buying fewer things, but higher quality. So really being intentional about what we buy. Do you want to speak to that? I, I think it's really important to think about your long-term investment. You can buy something that's cheap and it's going to last you a year um, and then you have to dump it. And whenever you dump something, it goes into a landfill and it adds to that massive amount of trash that has to break down and go somewhere, you know, the stuff doesn't disappear. It gets into our soil and our air. And so the less things we can buy, the more we can commit to maybe spending a little bit more upfront, but buying something that will last 10, 20, or even maybe a lifetime. I think that's always a great choice. And one thing I've learned from you too, is to repurpose things, buying used clothing. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, that's actually one of my favorite things. It's guilt-free shopping. You know, if you um, want to buy things, I would say looking at websites that sell um, used clothing is a great option because then I don't feel like I added to this process of creating something brand new. 
you know, so I always say, um, well, this shirt is new to me. So uh, I, there's a great um, app called ThreadUp uh, that um, is actually a great way of shopping. I much prefer it to any other store's website because you go in and you filter in for like the brands you want to look at, the sizes, maybe even the color or the type of item. Uh, and even the price range, and it'll just pop up, and then you can just choose, and then they send it to you, and if you don't like it, you could send it back. So it's a much better way of consuming items that are, you know, in good condition, but no longer needed by somebody else, but you can bring it and give it new life. Beautiful. I've also used Poshmark, but just a few times, but that's a similar option that we want to make sure people know about. And we also wanted to mention that, you know, we're not saying that we should all throw everything out and start over, but every time we do need something new, making a healthier choice and also thinking about sustainability and impact on the environment is important. Um, and just like all the choices we make every day that get us either closer to or further away from health, these purchases impact our health and the health of the world around us. So um, I really want to uh, thank you again for being here. And, and one thing before we dive into some of our favorite products is, can you talk a little bit about supplements? Because I feel that all of us on uh, MS websites and whatnot just get bombarded with the next greatest supplement that's going to cure everything for us. Can you talk a little bit about that marketing and then what you think are the most important supplements for us with MS? Sure. So the nutraceutical industry has great marketing in place to make us feel like we need a lot of these um, supplement products. And a lot of it is just playing into our fears, right? We want to have good health. Here is this molecule that they purport has these benefits. So of course, we're going to give it a try if we're really dialed into improving our health. But I can tell you as someone who um, lives with MS and also works with a lot of people with MS uh, in integrative medicine, where people come to me actually for supplements, they think I'm the supplement doctor and I don't think it could be further from the truth. I find that the, the utility of supplements is very limited, especially when not used with good lifestyle habits. Those good habits, like how you eat and sleep and manage stress and how you move your body, um, go a long way in, in, in optimizing your health. There is no supplement and there is no medication that can replace good lifestyle habits, right? Unfortunately, there's nobody here uh, marketing for, for good lifestyle habits. So um, we hope that, you know, a program like True Medicine can um, be a good source for people who are wanting to learn more about how to harness the power of life, uh, lifestyle medicine and to learn more about how it can benefit them. But this idea of single nutrient um, addition into your regimen is just not going to work. I've never seen somebody take a supplement and have a dramatic change. I do see dramatic change when people start going to bed earlier or they tweak their diet or they manage stress differently. So um, with the exception of vitamin D, which I hope everybody listening on the podcast here is 
uh, tuned into, you should know what your vitamin D level is. And if it's not at goal, you should um, talk to your doctor about replacing it. Um, I, I think there's very few things out there that I would hang my hat on and say, this must be a part of your regimen. Would you add omega-3s to that? Omega-3s would be my second choice, but it's not something I would widely tell everybody to go out and take because there are some blood thinning effects. Um, some people do re react to fish and we just need to be careful. So again, it's a decision you would make with your doctor who understands your history. Um, and here's the other thing, uh, by eating fish as food, that omega-3 may actually get absorbed better than when it comes wrapped up in some strange plastic that's a capsule that you have to consume. So I think whenever you can do food first, that is what you do. It's hard to do vitamin D from food. That's why we replace it. And um, we just have to really shift our focus on less, it's less about supplements and it's more about lifestyle. But the supplements can be an added layer that can kind of fine tune things for some people when used appropriately. So that is a perfect segue into what we are going to share today, because we are actually going to share some of the products that have really helped us make better lifestyle choices. And they've really proven their value over time to us and our families and friends and likely some of your patients as well. So while we are different and our unique MS needs are different, I feel really confident that these are good tools um, for us to share for your consideration if you're looking for solutions in these areas. So we're gonna dive in and the products we're going to share cover all five main aspects of foundational health for living well with MS. And in each category, we're just gonna share a couple of our favorite products and how they've impacted our lives. And uh, so we'll just go ahead and start right in. Uh, we're gonna start with sleep. Susan, can you talk just real briefly about why sleep is so important for us with MS? Sleep is medicine and so much of modern life gets in the way of good quality restorative sleep. We have artificial lights well into the night and screens that we stare at with really bright, harsh blue light. And we're busy, so we go to sleep late and we wake up late and we may be consuming foods or using medications that disrupt sleep. So there's a lot that is competing for our ability to get good sleep. And once you commit to sleep and figure out what your bedtime routine is and how you're gonna get there, you, you just become a different person. And I experienced this finally after my third son was old enough to sleep through the night and then I slept through the night. And all of a sudden the world was just a nicer place and people were nicer and everything was just so much more pleasant around me. It was just amazing how my outlook and perspective changed. And I've come to cherish my sleep. And if I can't get eight or nine hours in because there's an event, maybe there's a dinner or something that we would go out with somebody, I wouldn't, I don't go out to dinner. I really want to be home early enough to get my nighttime sleep in, in those peak dark hours. And it takes a lot of practice to do this. This isn't easy, but there are some tools that can be really helpful. Yes. And I will say in addition to, um, you know, overall mental health and, and everything, there's also such a, a physical 
help that sleep can do. And so my favorite product that I wanted to recommend today is actually a product that you originally recommended to me probably five years ago, and that is a buckwheat pillow. And I really love a company called Beans72. They make organic buckwheat pillows with organic cotton pillowcase covers. And this has helped me with physical pain. You know, a lot of us with MS experience tension and pain in our shoulders and necks. And that was very, very true for me. And it impacted my sleep pretty significantly. And I have found that through using this buckwheat pillow, since it's very moldable, it helps me get in the right position and stay in the right position. And so as someone who used to be a like flip and flop around all night kind of sleeper, I now sometimes even wake up in the same position I went to sleep in, which is a huge change for me. And I also wanted to mention that these buckwheat pillows are so great because if you have a pain point, for example, when I tore my rotator cuff and there was a very mild short range of areas and um, positions where I would be comfortable, I could get myself in that perfect position and then sleep all night. And I really think that that may helped me heal faster. Um, and lastly, I also want to mention that these buckwheat pillows, you can open them and put essential oils in them and just drip them in into the buckwheat holes. And it lasts, you know, for a week or so. And that's another way I can support deep sleep. So these pillows have made a tremendous impact on my life. And in fact, my partner Eric uses one now. So does my mother, a dear friend who struggles with back pain. And uh, we can't say enough good things about them. So thank you so much. The buckwheat pillow has changed my sleep for sure. Oh, I'm so glad. And for people who maybe want to make their own, I actually made my own. You can buy the buckwheat holes. I think that's what they're called. You can buy them on Amazon or anywhere and uh, just throw it into a pillowcase with a zipper. Just make sure there's no holes in that pillowcase because they will spill out. But I agree with you. It's natural and getting non-toxic bedding right is not easy because the items are hard to find. They can be expensive, but I think a buckwheat pillow is something that you can have for a long time and it's natural products and I love it. Uh, I'll share my favorite uh, product, getting that non-toxic mattress that doesn't break the bank um, was a very long rabbit hole that I had to crawl into uh, and I thought I'd never come back out. But surprisingly, the futon shop has a shiki bouton. They also call it a shiki futon. Basically, it's a Japanese style mattress that is meant to be placed on a platform. So it's not something you could put on top of your mattress or on top of a uh, a box spring. It does require a flat surface. So we own two of them and I use them differently. There's one that we have that's a full size. Uh, it is light enough that I can pull it out from under the bed, un unfold it and sleep on it. Um, and that works well on the floor. You do have to put another surface underneath these mattresses to make sure that air enters the mattress to keep moisture building up and mold growing. So they sell something called a coconut coir. I'm going to say that word wrong. C-O-I-R, however that's spelled. So this is like a, a thin layer of coconut 
husk that, um, that is just placed underneath the mattress and allows air to enter it from below. So that's the one that we have on the floor. And then when we're done with it, we could fold it in, a ha in half or in thirds. And it's light enough that I could just slide it on our floors back under our other bed so that it, it hides. And then we have a larger one that we have on like a platform bed. So this bed basically is a platform. And then again, you'll wanna have one of these surfaces underneath it um, to get air into the mattress, but they are the most comfortable mattress I have ever slept on. I feel like it supports my back. It's totally healthy and natural now. Um, and they're affordable compared to other organic type mattresses. So these uh, mattresses use materials like organic cotton, organic latex, um, and latex is rubber. That's a natural material. And you can even get the covers to be organic as well. And depending on what, what materials you choose and what size and what thickness, I've seen some of their mattresses as low as $400. And the thicker ones are obviously more expensive. But this is something that I really cherish every night. I'm excited to sleep on it. And if you have kids that want to jump on mattresses, this will nip that in the bud. There, it's very anticlimactic. You can't jump on it. You'll just kind of sink. So, um, so yeah, it just feels like a really nice, clean, natural alternative that's organic. That's great. I can't wait to check them out when it's time for us to get a new mattress. So let's move on to toxin reduction. This is something that's been, you know, really on our mind as people who live in California and are experiencing a lot of wildfires this summer. But can you talk a little bit about air pollution and why it's so important for us to monitor that? Well, I, for all the people that live on the West Coast, I have so much, um, like just sympathy for all of us. It was such a rough year last year to have, I think we had almost eight weeks of severe air pollution from the wildfires and it was COVID. So we actually couldn't go anywhere. And our house, we didn't have air conditioning and we also had um, heat waves and then our electricity would go out. So our fans couldn't turn on. I mean, it was really just the worst of everything all at once. And it really made me think a lot about the quality of the air that we breathe. And certainly, you know, it's obvious with, with wildfires how bad it can be when, when the sky looks a different color and the sunset is, you know, vibrant and gorgeous, that might be a sign of something else kind of brewing under, beneath the surface. So, um, you know, one of the reasons you'll want to focus on air is because you breathe it all day long. So that is one way that you're constantly communicating with the environment around you. And so choosing cleaner air goes a long way because it's a all day long exposure. So, you know, one thing, Katie, you and I have talked about is when when a lot of people engage in the same behavior or thinking, it normalizes it. And we think, well, that's okay. You know, why? That's not a big deal. You know, I used to live in Los Angeles and I would drive down Highway 2 and I could see the beautiful scene of the downtown sort of unfolding in front of me with that layer of smog. And I used to think, that's fog, right? It's not fog, it's smog. And when you live in a large city like that, 
and all the other people that live there with you, it feels like it's okay. And it's not until you start getting intentional about learning more and figuring out, well, what is it that I'm breathing that you'll start knowing more about what's actually going on around you. So um, pollution comes in many forms. So obviously when you're in traffic or you're traveling on a highway to and from work, um, you are in that pollution of the cars around you. Uh, interestingly, I've seen new um, air filters for cars, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but I don't know if you're spending two hours a day in your car or even an hour a day, does it make sense? to clean up that air within the cabin of your car. Um, smoking is another big one. A lot of people do it, but that's air pollution right in front of your airway. And in, it's one of the worst um, habits that contributes both to the onset and um, progression of MS. So we know that people who smoke tend to have more problems with MS. So if there's one thing that comes out of today's talk, even though we're talking about products, stop smoking. It'll just do so much for your health. And if there's people smoking around you, um, you need to get them to go outside. Uh, and then, you know, more severe environmental sources of environmental pollution, like wildfires, uh, produce very small particles that you breathe and they get bloodborne pretty much immediately. You don't really have a chance to um, brush them out of your airway using the little hairs in your nose or in your lungs. So what one thing also to appreciate is that with wildfires, it's not just natural material burning, right? It's also homes and electronics and um, building materials that are synthetic paint, varnish on flooring, et cetera, that's also combusting and burning and releasing toxic compounds into the air. So all of these things are, are toxic for us. And if we can minimize our exposure, that goes a long way. And then there's mold. So um, most homes in the US, well, maybe not most, but I think it's at least a third to a half of homes um, probably have mold in them, uh, especially in wetter areas. And with you know, climate change, you know, Katie and I were talking about the recent floods in New York and, and, and what that's releasing into the environment of people's homes. These are things to think about. And a lot of this stuff sort of is invisible to us and we don't think about it and we're used to it. We are in it every day. So it's not on our radars. Thank you so much. So helpful. And because also so much of this, you know, even if we can see it, we've normalized it, like you've mentioned, the, you shared with me a really helpful tool to, that has just really helped me become better informed about the air I'm breathing in my house and in my yard every single day. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about the AQI monitor. Yes. Okay. So something we should all know about is our AQI. AQI is air quality index. You could look this up online um, using different apps or websites. Uh, for example, purpleair.com is one. EPA, or I'm sorry, the EPA's product is airnow.org, I believe. Uh, so you can also sometimes get it on uh, navigation apps on your phone. So this is the index that tells you how clean or polluted your air is. And zero to 50 is fine, 50 to 100 is a little bit more pollution and it goes all the way up above 300. 
during the wildfires last year, I woke up one morning and it was 600 in our house. It's not even on the chart. <laughs> so it was 600 and I could see visible smoke in the house. And so the goal is to have the lowest uh, AQI possible. And knowing this number will help you make different choices. For example, when the AQI is much over 100, I don't take my kids to soccer practice. We're just not going to go there. That's okay. They can miss that one day. Uh, when we cook, oh, when we cook, Katie, you and I know all about this. We had no idea that cooking our healthy, organic food can tear up the AQI in the house. You want to tell me about what you shared earlier? Yes. Yes. <laughs> just so I, full disclosure, just about a month ago, I committed to purchasing the Air Visual Pro air quality monitor that Susan recommended. And I was blown away. We were cooking using a high heat oil, avocado oil, cooking our healthy dinner. And our AQI went up all the way into the purple. I even had the exhaust fan on over the, over the stove, you know, felt like I was doing everything right. And wow, that was just really eye-opening. And so it really made me realize that, yeah, there's a lot about AQI I can't control, but even when I think I'm doing the right thing, I'm really not. So immediately, immediately, you know, open the doors, open the windows, let's clear this out. Um, but wow, it just really opened my eyes. Yeah, so it changes behavior, right? Because now you know and you have a number to follow. So like you, we don't do microwave popcorn. I was like, let me do the healthy version. We get the kernels and we do it in the pot. Oh my gosh, that AQI will go over 250, even if I don't burn it. So it um, now, you know, now the exhaust fan is on, the windows are on, but sometimes the doors have to be open as well. And I'll tell you another great use of it was last year during that um, doomsday scenario I, I described uh, where, you know, the AQI was so high and it was hot, but, you know, we didn't want to open the doors. The AQI outside was 200. And it was like 300 inside the house because we had not opened our windows for days trying to keep the smoke out. Without this monitor, I would not have known that it was actually worse inside than outside. And so that was my clue to open the doors and just air out the house more frequently. Thank you. Yeah, so I think monitors like this can be really useful. It is an investment. But I think it changes behavior, and that's really important. I've had an air filter, I had my air filter for a long time, but with the AQI monitor, I use my air filter a lot more. So let's talk about air filters. You have two that you highly recommend. Yes. So I used to encourage people to get a HEPA air filter and I don't really encourage anymore. I'm like, you've just got to figure out how to get one. It's that important because you are breathing air every day with every breath. So when we are exposed to pollution, ongoing pollution from living in a city maybe, or we're, we know like on the West Coast, it seems like we're gonna have wildfires every year. Um, we just have to clean up our air. So I uh, have two uh, products that I recommend to patients. If you can spring for the more expensive one, I think it's more robust and it's a better long-term investment. This is IQ Air and they have the Health Pro Series. 
and it's in the mid 800s. Um, and it'll last you a long time. This is um, versions of this uh, are used in dental offices, for example, where they're removing mercury out of fillings, where they want to not expose staff and patients. So this is really, you know, a solid, high-quality Swiss-made product that I like and I trust, and it gets even down to um, particles as small as 0.3 microns. So it'll help with wildfires, it'll help with VOCs and PFOAs and um, other things that are um, you know, floating around the house. And you shared with me that it's on wheels, so you can easily move it around your house. And um, I think you said that you move it into the kitchen sometimes when you're gonna be cooking. I do. Uh, the wheels are key because it's heavy enough where I wouldn't be able to pick it up and move it to different rooms, but I'm constantly shuttling this thing back from one room to another. You ideally want to leave your air filter in the room that you're using the most. So for sure, having it in the bedroom. So I'll have it in the living room during the day by the kitchen, and then I'll move it into the bedroom. That's great. And if that is too big of an investment and out of people's budget, you do have another option that you recommend. Absolutely. And I think this is a great alternative that's at a lower price point. I think the most important thing is you just get one of these in your home. And uh, I have actually purchased one of these. This, uh, this, I made sure that there was some independent testing on it and it tested very well. It's the Coway, uh, C-O-W-A-Y, AP, 1512 Mighty HEPA air filter. And at about $200, it's a pretty amazing machine for what it removes. And just remember with all air filters, there is some ongoing maintenance with, you know, having to replace filters. So um, I think just investing in some really good products that have longevity matters. Great. Now let's move on because in addition to air quality, also water quality is so important. And you have two recommendations there as well. Definitely. So my top two recommendations for cleaning up your environment is air filters and water filters, both equally important. And by the way, if you've never tried, go to the Environmental Working Group, which is ewg.org, and they have a national tap water database where you can put in your zip code, choose your water district, and then it will show you what man-made compounds were above safe limits in your water. This is eye-opening. Again, it's making the invisible visible to you so that you know what you're dealing with and how you can remove it. So there are many different types of air filters I'm sorry, water filters. So there are carbon ones, there are um, different uh, ones that use different membranes. The one that's going to do the most for you is reverse osmosis. It's going to pull out the most number of contaminants. Uh, and there's a lot of products out there on the market. I would say if you just want to spend a couple hundred dollars to get clean reverse osmosis water into your home, I would pick the APEC countertop water filter that we'll link to um, with this episode. This requires the, um, a faucet that's not one of those pull down faucets. Um, I think it provides really clean water that tastes very neutral. It's delicious. One of the issues with this particular product is that the wastewater 
to clean water ratio is four to one. So it's quite wasteful as many of these reverse osmosis filters are. This um, uh, requires that you uh, uh, connect it to your, your faucet. There's a, sometimes you might need to get a handyman to, you know, a handy person to help you. And um, what, what I like about the countertop model is that you filter the water into your own big glass jug rather than the reverse osmosis filters that have their own um, container for storage where it's lined with some synthetic material. So I think it's just much better to use a countertop and then um, filter it into your own glass jug. This particular product doesn't require you to drill into your countertop. So it's another plus and it's about $200. And then if you wanted a different product, I would recommend getting a tankless water filter um, that's reverse osmosis. Again, these have less, less wastewater to clean water um, ratio of uh, waste. So uh, it could be somewhere like two to one or one and a half to one. And um, we'll link to um, some of our favorite products um, at the show notes. Great, thank you. Okay, let's move into mindfulness and the mind-body connection. Can you talk just briefly about how mental and physical health are intertwined? For sure. I mean, they're sort of one and the same, right? If we think of any human as one whole, it's the, the physical is not separate from the mental, the emotional, the social, the spiritual. We all have these different um, perspectives that we have to address. And so a lot of people who experience physical symptoms oftentimes have underlying psycho-emotional things that may be contributing. So our mental health matters and addressing it is one of the most foundational ways of addressing physical health. So it, for people dealing with MS, um, getting mental health you know, front and center is really important. And there's so many different ways to address it. And all of the tools are accessible. Many of them are free. What it requires is a commitment to following through with, you know, uh, supporting your mental health. And how does this specifically impact our immunity and living with MS? Sure. So I always tell my patients, you know, stress isn't just an idea in your head. It actually translates to the release of um, neurotransmitters. So the nervous system can get activated, not in a good way. And also it, it simulates the release of certain hormones like cortisol, um, as well as um, different um, compounds like um, adrenaline. So what happens is our immune system gets activated. Perhaps it feels like there needs to be an inflammatory process created. So, you know, it basically stress can activate the hormone systems, your central nervous system, your immune system, and so on. And this can create that perfect storm to either um, have enough symptoms for somebody to get diagnosed with MS or to contribute to the um, progression of MS perhaps. Now, some of us may not even be aware of some of the struggles we might be having. And so um, we're going to each share a biofeedback tool that has helped us. So Susan, go ahead. Let's talk about HeartMath. Oh, I love HeartMath. They're a great company that does a lot of research into um, 
just uh, different ways of getting people to connect with meditation. And for some people who might be skeptics, that might require biofeedback. And biofeedback is basically a way of demonstrating to us that when we, for example, change how we breathe, that it will have an impact on our heart rate variability. And that heart rate, heart rate variability is that beat to beat variation in heart rate. So we don't always beat at 80 beats a minute, we're bouncing up and down. And the more you bounce up and down, the healthier that is, and the more reflective of a uh, relaxed state. So a biofeedback device like the Inner Balance product from HeartMath can visually show you that within a minute or two of practicing slow paced abdominal breathing that you can actually affect changes in your heart rate variability. And they show this to you either graphically or through colors. So you can pick how you want to view it. And it's really eye-opening, again, makes the invisible visible, where you go, oh, I didn't know that that was happening under the surface. And when you see it and you believe it, you're more likely to do it. And I'll tell you what, my kids love using the biofeedback device as well, because they, it felt like a video game to them, I guess, because they could breathe a certain way and get the numbers and the colors to change. So it even captured the interest of a six-year-old. So I, I would say if this sounds interesting to you and you think biofeedback might be a useful tool for you, I highly recommend it. And the whole family could use it. Basically what biofeedback does is it's training the brain to stay in the relaxation response. That's great. Now I used a different biofeedback device called Spire. And, you know, I knew I lived a high stress lifestyle, but I wasn't even sure what my actual triggers were. And I wore a Spire for about a year and uh, it detects your breathing patterns and lets you know very early when you are being a shallow breather or something else is impacting uh, your breathing pattern. And boy, it really was effective. It clued me into three main triggers that I was experiencing. And once I knew I could actually do something about it. Now I want full disclosure here. When I purchased my Spire, they were about $70 and that was a big purchase for me, but I felt it was worth it. Now they are a lot more expensive, um, but I did want to mention it still because there could be others out there that are more affordable that do the same thing. Yeah, anytime you can uncover the hidden problems, I think that gives you something to think about and something to change and make different decisions about. So I find that actually to be a really powerful tool. And let's talk also about uh, a favorite app that we have, Insight Timer. It's my favorite too. Is it yours? It's one of my favorites, yes. Yeah. Although I have the free version, so I want you to talk more oh, about it. You well, yes, I had the free version up until two weeks ago. I became sort of a little bit obsessed with somebody on Insight Timer. I would listen to all of her, you know, scripts and I just can't get enough of her. So then I really wanted to listen to her 10 day course. And so I thought, well, you know what, if this is going to change my behavior, $60 is worth it. And I can, you know, listen to other classes and they're short. They're like 10, 15 minutes a night. So, and I'll have to say who it is because she actually changed my life. I sleep 
differently because of what this woman has said in her scripts. Her name is Jennifer Piercy. And, you know, you can find some of her free stuff on the basic app. Um, I think that my favorite thing is healing darkness for sleep. It clued me into the magical healing powers of being exposed to darkness, which is something we do very little of, right? We have lights on to the moment where we're going to go to sleep. So um, her 10 day class was just exquisite. I've now listened to it three times and I'll probably just keep listening to it because she has such a poetic way of describing something that's so mysterious. Love that. And, you know, just with the free version, there is a lot there too. So I encourage people to start there and then expand. Um, and we did also want to mention a couple other free options on YouTube. I've mentioned on the podcast before Jason Stevenson. He has incredible guided meditations for sleep, uh, anxiety, depression, pretty much anything. Uh, there's even ones for winding down at the end of the day or setting an intention in the morning or energizing. Um, so those are really, really fabulous. And they've been become a daily tool that I use. Um, Dr. Cloud, if you have relationships that are stressful for you and you want to learn about boundaries, he has a robust YouTube channel. Uh, and those are short free videos that are incredibly helpful. And then there, of course, is our beloved Brene Brown. And she's golden. Pretty much everything she says is uh, going to be amongst the most important things we ever hear. Uh, so I really wanted to give a shout out for those free YouTube resources. Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Brown, one of my favorite humans of all time. Anything that comes out of her mouth is just so lovely to listen to. And she's so smart and Again, very evidence-based. She, she just goes off of research. Evidence-based and her own experience, learning about her journey in her life too, I found tremendously helpful. So let's dive into now nutrition. We know that this is one of the fastest ways to come to noticeably better health. And the first thing I wanted to talk about is the CSA farm box. Most places around the country now have farm boxes and you can look online. You'll likely have many choices, but this is where you get your organic foods locally. So it cuts down on you know, it's a very sustainable business model, for example. There's not a lot of transportation that's involved. The food I also find is much fresher and lasts a lot longer. And getting this box of produce every week, that's where I don't buy produce anymore when I go to the store because I get this box delivered to me so it's convenient. I don't have to think about it. It is a good variety that changes with the season, which makes sure that I am getting that variety of nutrients that I need. So I can't say enough about a CSA farm box and I encourage everyone to look into it. Yeah, and I actually, um, I'll piggyback on that and say I've used Imperfect Produce, which may not be available everywhere, but what they do is they take food that may not meet the standards of a grocery store um, and they package that food and sell it. So you can actually choose and every item in your box and say, you know, I want this, um, these things to be organic, or you can get the surprise box, which I actually highly recommend. It's a little anxiety provoking because you don't know what's going to come. I, I think you can actually look the week before and find out what might be in there, but 
when you find surprises in your box, now you're having to deal with new foods. And that's a good thing. The more we can expand our diet, the better it is for our overall health. So uh, I've read studies that up to a third of our food that's grown is not sold in stores because it doesn't meet, you know, the consumer's um, uh, requirements. So it's thrown away. So I feel good about repurposing this food. And I always get food. I mean, it's very rare that something comes and I'm like, oh, I can't use that. It's not good. It's, it's extremely rare. And I think for about $50, the box that, that we get is more than enough. We've often had to give it away to other people because it's just a lot of organic food. So it's a cost-effective way of getting organic produce in your home. And they deliver it. They deliver it. That's the big one. I think it's an, like for us, it's like $5 and um, I don't have to go anywhere. And, you know, I love going to the farmer's market, but it's not always possible when we have other commitments, COVID, and it takes time, you know, it takes like an hour or two of your day. So this is just very little time commitment. Yes. And I'll reiterate too, that, you know, when I went to farmer's markets, which I loved, I would always find myself purchasing the same foods most of the time. And so really this variety, like I found kohlrabi last year, I had never really had it before and I love it. Um, and also a lot of these CSA farm boxes are now uh, having meat and fish options and other um, health foods from local vendors. So it's a really nice way to shop local. Yeah. Okay, let's move into our last category of products, and that is exercise and movement. And I did first want to mention services such as the MS Gym, and there's actually an entire episode on exercise and movement where there's interviews with a couple of people who use that service. So if that interests you, check out that episode, and uh, you'll learn more about the MS Gym there. Susan, you have a favorite. Oh, I do. Yoga with Adrian. I adore her. I love everything she does. She's super down to earth and um, like, I want to say approachable, but I've like never met her, but I feel like I've met her. So this woman has tons of free yoga videos that you can just get on YouTube. Uh, she also has her own website, but it's, you can actually choose the length of the yoga video. You can say, I want to focus on low back, or I want to focus on comfy yoga today, which is one that I do a lot or detox. Like she just has so many different things. And she has like a 30 day challenge you could do. And it's all different levels. It's free. It's at home. I mean, what more could you want? It's just, right. it's just perfect. I love it. I just That's love it. Great. I can't wait to check that one out. And my yeah. favorite is uh, Qigong with Lee Holden and it's seven minutes. So again, very easy. Um, and it takes place at beautiful Lake Tahoe, uh, which is just a gorgeous, serene setting. And this is a short work in breath work. And uh, he specifically does spinal cord breathing and some gentle stretching. And I find that this is so nice in the morning. Uh, it works out, you know, all the kinks and um, just really gets my mind on a positive orientation and feeling good in just seven minutes. So that is one of my absolute favorites. And we'll be sharing all of these links on Patreon uh, for our listeners. So uh, you can check there. And Susan, you had one other one you wanted to mention. 
Sure. Yeah. We talked about yoga and Qigong, but if you wanted to kick it up a few notches, I love the seven minute workout apps that are, there's many of them actually. And most of them are free. It's seven minutes of um, an intense exercise. Uh, and, and the way it goes is it's 30, 30 seconds of exercise followed by 10 seconds of rest. And then you'll do something else for 30 seconds that's intense, followed by another 10 seconds of rest. And you do that for seven minutes. So you do get little rest periods um, throughout every 30 seconds. Um, it's, it's something you could travel with. You could do outside. You don't need equipment. So it's just easy. And it just really, it comes down to you making the commitment to just Download this stuff onto your phone, have it ready and, and use it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for being here and talking about your favorite products. Listeners, I hope that you found at least one thing that will help you find your way to better health. Uh, we tried to, you know, put things that are expensive, but also balance that with things that are free and accessible to all of us. So thank you again, Susan. And I hope you'll come back and visit us again soon. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation and found our suggestions for products that can have a profound impact on our long-term health outcomes as people living with MS helpful. By sharing these products with you today, my hope is that one, we all have the tools we need to invest in our future health in the ways that matter most. And secondly, that we accept that while some options might not be feasible given our current budget, we understand that there are places where saving or reallocating funds and splurging just a little will help us immensely in managing our MS progression over time. Our next Misunderstood Flock Meeting will be this Saturday, October 2nd. At the Flock Meeting, we'll discuss this episode and other episodes released this month, and just spend some virtual time together supporting one another as we all strive to live well with MS. If you're not a Flock member yet, but would like to be, join us. We meet via Zoom the first Saturday of each month. You can learn more and join us by visiting patreon.com slash msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.